Jesse, thanks for joining me on Youth TV. This is a series where I want to learn alongside my students by asking questions to people I trust. Questions on behalf of my group, things that we want to know. And you're someone that I've come to trust. Uh, you're a good friend of mine. <laughs> you seem surprised by that. There may, have been, there may have been some things that put that trust in jeopardy, but overall, I would say uh, you're someone that I, I hold in high esteem. And uh, you're a father of two. You are a husband. You are a um, communications and discipleship pastor at Central Heights Church, which I guess means that you uh, communicate the themes of what the church believes in and help people grow to be more like Jesus. Is that accurate? That's that's what I want it to be anyway. So. <laughs> Not a good week. That's, that's what it looks that's, like. That's right. Right on. And on top of that, you also have the distinction of being the only person I've met in person who knows more random Star Wars facts than me. Some people are impressed by that. Some people are like, oh, no, there's one. They're now him. shutting this off. Yeah, exactly. They're like, we are not <laughs> listening to these guys. No, but you are someone who lives their life very intentionally and very intellectually. And for as long as I've known you, everything you've done has been on purpose. From the way you live life with your family to the way you handle leadership in your church, r you know, retaining information from movies, but also from scripture, you analyze what's in front of you and you make decisions based on the information you have. And the questions I want to ask today involve that type of thinking. And uh, I really trust you as someone who can do that well and uh, lead us in that way. Because you spent some time studying, you've gone to Bible school, you do this professionally, and not all of us on the other side of the camera have the opportunity to invest that type of time and study that you have. So if you could save us some time today and save <laughs> us a few steps in research, that would be so appreciated. Sure. Yeah, I'll do my, I'll do my best. No pressure. <laughs> right on. Yeah. So the first one, what is the Bible? I mean, you know, we know it's a book. We got one on the table there, but what, what is it? Is it God's word? Was it written by people? Is it somehow both? What is the Bible? It's a collection of 66 books written by several different authors across hundreds of years in different cultures, uh, originally written in languages different than the one that you and I are speaking and, and familiar with today. And for, for Christians who would, who would hold to this 66 books collection, uh, what, what they would say, this is telling one story. It's a story of what God is doing in Jesus to both create and restore all things. And for them, because they're believing it's not just you know, written by humans, but it's inspired by God, a really big concept, inspiration, but it's inspired by God. It's, it's really his words. And so they would take it then as authoritative for both what they believe, but also how they live. So it sounds like it is the, the word of God. It's what God wants to communicate to people, but it was written by human people. Is that right? Yeah, and I mean, we, we, we are told several times across the different books maybe who the authors are. You get, you get books in the New Testament written by um, the Apostle Paul, for example, who says this is a letter from Paul. So, so we know that there are human people who actually had to sit down and do the physical work uh, to, to put this together and, and to get this stuff onto actual like copy paper, papyri or whatever, right? So the, the idea of ancient history is pretty mind-boggling for a lot of us, myself included, especially when we're trying to make sense of things that happened, you know, last week or two weeks ago. <laughs> what kind of evidence does the Bible have in comparison to other things we consider fact? Yeah, and that, that to me is a very exciting question to, to explore because as, as you dig through it, you are digging through manuscript evidence, like you say. So there's these, you know, these documents that were copies of copies of copies of the original uh, writings because what these things were written on, like you look at the New Testament, they're not written on like nice kind of card stock sort of things that you're ordering off of Pinterest or whatever. You know, like they're, they're written on papyri and their consistency breaks down. They're not going to be preserved in the way that 
material today would be. Say we were going to stack the the gospel, the the story of what what God is doing through Jesus and 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 continually through His church against say like ancient Rome, for example, you would you would go back to okay, who are the sources? So for the for the Bible, you've got uh, you know these manuscripts that that are compiled from all the apostles and all of the these these people who are close to the eyewitnesses or or were eyewitnesses, and then you're comparing it to say ancient Rome with with these historians that that we would draw on. And, and to compare them, I would look at both the, the quality of, of the manuscripts, but also the quantity. And if we were going to start with quantity, uh, you, you take the, the, these ancient manuscript copies, just say of the, the New Testament, for example, there is estimated around 25,000 of these manuscripts. So where does that fit within, you know, stacking it up against, say, just ancient Rome, for example? So you'd look at authors like Suetonius or Tacitus, uh, Livy. Uh, people who give us most of our knowledge about the Caesars and all this other stuff about architecture and then the culture of Rome and all that that we might learn in history class. So take the Bible's 25,000, you stack it up against some of these guys where like Tacitus this is so well quoted in, in academia. Well, we've got three copies of his. Three as compared to 25,000. Sure, of just Tacitus versus okay. the whole Bible. So you might go, sure, okay, well, that's right. one guy. How does he, how does he you know, fight okay. against all these authors? But if you right. were to take, say, you know, throw some other ancient Greeks in there, like Herodotus and all them, you, you add up some of the best ones, you're still only left with an estimate of just fewer than 400. So 25,000 versus 400, you know, we're comparing... Or comparing a Lamborghini to my kid's Hot Wheel car in the living room, like it, it's like a total different category, and that's just quantity. Like if we were to go further and talk about quantity, then we're, we're looking at you know, well, how close are these manuscripts, right. th- these copies, in comparison to to when the events actually happened? And right. and and for us, as we look at just say the New Testament again, comparing it to to Rome or whatever, or or even say like a figure like Alexander the Great. Uh, there was one study I, I saw with the, the New Testament that traces it these these writings back to within months of like wow. Jesus claim to have risen from the dead versus like Alexander the Great who you know you see movies written and 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 stuff about him uh, where the closest documents about that are 450 years after the fact so wow. so it's it's a, in a completely different league of its own and and to to give you know we we, we say we're good with ancient Rome. We say we're good with the Caesars and Alexander the Great and these military interesting stories. Uh, to be intellectually consistent, then we have to give a ton of credibility to to things like the Bible and the story of Jesus. Not only with the quality of these things being early, like close in event, but also with eyewitness uh, credibility, you don't have a lot of time for things like myth or legends to develop, which is hard to wrap our minds around because we have that distance in time to those events. So, so I would understand why we won't want to be a bit hesitant to say, well, how could we even even admitting that the manuscript kind of like vast difference in comparison? There, there's crazy stuff that happens in the Bible. There's crazy stories, m- miraculous things, and and that might be then why we would we would hesitate beyond just the technical kind of nerdy evidence, right? Yeah, and I do want to come back to that a little bit later on because there are Mm -hmm. some pretty extreme things Mm -hmm. explained in the Bible, and I want to come back to that. But just while we're talking about, you know, the, the, the evidence and the, you know, potential legitimacy or illegitimacy, you know, I imagine if there was something happening to this big of a degree, um, other people besides the biblical authors would have taken note of it. There are people who had no interest in the Jesus stuff 
who are noting and writing down in their own accounts of history what happened? Or is the Bible the only place the Bible's talked about? Because that would be a bit mm-hmm. of a difference maker for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. When we think about eyewitness testimony or, or any other sort of source, you, you could look at it in sort of three different categories. And, and this would be true for an event today. Like say, say there was somebody who wanted to make the claim that you went and bought a donut at your favorite shop today. You, Most you people would, would believe you without <laughs> evidence. <laughs> but, but you would have eyewitnesses that would be friendly eyewitnesses. People, yeah, of course, we know Zach would do that. They would be in favor of supporting that. You would have people who would be hostile to that, who, no, we don't want to believe anything Zach says. It's a lie. And then you'd have a third category who'd just be disinterested. Well, we have in the, the, the account of the Bible and the stories there and the claims the Bible makes, we have people friendly to the gospel, people hostile to the gospel, and people who seem disinterested. And, and that's maybe why you take all three of these together, and that just adds a lot of weight to go, wow, there must be something here that I need to take seriously. So when it comes to other accounts outside of the Bible, yes, we do. Uh, in the Even just, again, taking the New Testament, independent sources. Uh, most scholars, I, I think, and I mean, maybe fact check this later, but around 12 independent sources kind of come together just in the earliest years to kind of back this up. Uh, Jewish historians like Josephus, Roman historians like the one I mentioned, Tacitus, very helpful in piecing together a lot of what the New Testament would claim. So it sounds like there's evidence to believe that we have a pretty um, accurate read on what these original words were. Now, how do we know that these words were actually God's words and not just good advice from people? You know, you mentioned Paul and his letters. How do we know that Paul was inspired by God and not just given good advice from Paul's perspective? Maybe Paul was a wise man and that's what he thought, and it might not necessarily have any authority over our lives today. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I love that question because it kind of takes this posture of, okay, Paul's claiming this, the Bible's claiming this, but so do the other religious texts. So, so, do, exactly. so do all these other you know, inspired sacred writings. Most major worldviews have a, a, a piece of literature that is valuable to them that they would claim as authoritative. So what, yeah, what would make the Bible uh, important enough to take seriously above all of those, maybe even exclusively so? So a, a few things that, that I, would, I would consider are, are for, let's just start maybe with this one, the, the value of seeing the Bible predicting historical events. Uh, this, this happens all throughout because, because, again, it's written across such a long time period. You, you would wonder if the things that are written early actually line up with the things that happen later. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite examples, and again, maybe fact check this later, but uh, I think it's in Ezekiel chapter, somewhere around chapter 26, where Ezekiel is prophesying in the late like 500s B.C., that this coast city called Tyre is going to be overthrown and it is going to be like hurled into the sea. Um, pretty radical language for something that's thriving and robust back in those times. And then a couple hundred years later, and this isn't recorded in the Bible, but Alexander the Great comes in with his forces, overthrows and captures that same city, you know, a couple hundred years later. And nearby, there's this little island city where a lot of the residents and people flee to. And rather than mustering up a navy to, to kind of sail across and capture that as well, what they end up doing is they make this land bridge, demolish the city, shove it into the sea, and then they can go and finish conquering it. And this happens hundreds of years after somebody like Ezekiel prophesies it. And, and to me, that's just like, wow, like, is, could that have just been a, a one-off coincidence? And, you know, you stack up all of this stuff from outside of that, even just take Jesus himself himself. 
the the predictions, the prophecies about how this 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 coming savior is is going to happen. There's there's lots of them. The fact of where he's going to be born, uh, certain characteristics about his life and his death. If you even just take eight of these prophecies about Jesus from the Old Testament. And, and stack them up and, and try to get the probability of, of what it would take for one person to fulfill even just eight of those combined, it would be one times 10 to the power of 17. Here's an analogy. Apparently that number would be like taking a loony, marking one of them, throwing it into the state of Washington, which is not too far from here, making the state of Washington then, then fill up with loonies to a depth of like seven and a half feet, telling you to go and find just that one. You got one chance to tell me which one is the one I marked. Walk all around Washington, dig through those stacks, pick one out. That's the probability of Jesus fulfilling even just eight of those, of one person fulfilling eight predictions. So the Bible does this stuff all the time, and it, it's just mind-boggling to me. Wow. So I, I guess to, to, to simplify it, tell me if this is like an accurate conclusion. The Bible kind of bets on itself in a way and says, you know, if this is God's word, this is going to happen. And time and time again, it does to a point where it's mathematically improbable to discount that. Is that what I'm <laughs> sure. hearing? Sure. And, and I mean, that's, and that's only just like Bible predicting historical events. Wow. That, that's, that's, that'd be one piece of evidence I'd want to consider. Wow. So I, I want to pivot a little bit now from a bit of the logical to a bit of the, the moral. Because this mm. is all making sense to me to, to think that there's actually some some real logical ground to stand on in, in taking this book seriously. Uh, but I've heard it said that the Bible was written by people in power to try to gain power over others, to oppress, to make people act the way they want to act. We're going to write a, a text mm-hmm. about, you know, um, you know, gi- giving things up to your enemies and forgiving so that those who read it would then be able to be more easily uh, oppressed and have their, their cultures taken away. So the, the people who wrote these texts... Were these writings beneficial for them? You know, was there, was there a profit or a gain of power for the original authors? Uh, would it have been, mm. you know, uh, if, if I'm trying to get ahead um, in that time, was, was writing something um, like this a, a good way to get mm. ahead? <laughs> I mean, I, okay, A, I, I really love the question about the authors, but I think you actually, it just struck me just as you were talking about it, this, this idea that the Bible has been used to perpetrate things in the name of Christianity that uh, were never the intention of somebody like Jesus or the original authors. And, and that has been the case throughout the centuries, either from like a, you know, a nationalist standpoint, like with government or, or even at a personal level with, with churches. And again, we still see this today that things being done just, just improperly that aren't necessarily in line with, with this, this heart of Jesus to, to seek and to save the lost, to see things happen on earth the way that they happen in heaven. And that's, that's how he teaches his people to pray. So anything that kind of misaligns with that, we need to be really cautious around embracing as if this is the message of the Bible. Um, and that's why you have people who have negative experience with the church and, and, and already throw the intellectual aside, don't even want to give the Bible or Christianity or Jesus or faith a shot because there has been like emotional or relational hurt. So I think this question is so good to not only acknowledge that, you know, back then, but even right now for us in our personal experience, for those who might be watching. But, but to go back to your question about what, what benefit is there for them to write what they wrote, not a ton, like up front. They, like, if, you think, if you think about what Christianity claims, you, you move from 
the Jewish faith believing in one God to now Christianity claiming there is there is one God, but he's three in one, this doctrine of the Trinity. Well, this this is this is not easy or palatable to to a type of place like that or a time like that. So it doesn't profit on a on a big picture framework for the authors. But more than that, it doesn't profit personally for them because most of them get killed for what they believe. So to, to claim that the, the, the goal here was manipulation or, or coercion or to try and gain something through this for themselves, this is not the strategy I would have chosen or the time or the place or the teaching I would have chosen either. It got their founder killed. So, so why, why, you know, why would they do it otherwise? That's really good. Um, now, we, we mentioned earlier that there are some pretty outlandish stories in the Bible, talking snakes, parting seas, dead mm-hmm. people coming back to life, um, stuff that I don't see um, even in Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> so how do, you, how do you make sense of that? You know, you're reading a book that's, that's bringing this, this picture that's so far from, I'm, I'm assuming you are definitely my um, visual and physical experience here on earth. How do you make sense of a, of a book that talks about that? How do you make, I, I don't know how you make sense of it. I don't, I, and like maybe even just, just let me process this out. Loud. I don't know how you make sense of the fact that somebody who was publicly humiliated and murdered, tortured and, and buried. I don't know how you make sense of the fact that he then comes back to life. Like it, it's hard to wrap your mind around what that would require from all of that. And there's a lot of these things that seem scientifically impossible in the Bible, even and it's and it's why people would say, well, this is just this is just a book of fairy tales or myths or whatever. Like, how could any thinking person actually take this seriously? And and so I think there needs to be a bit of a sense of wonder. I, I think if we are acknowledging that there is a God who created all, everything that we see, a, a universe that's incalculable and and vast and 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 crazy to understand and wrap our minds around scientifically, why couldn't we then say that this same God could show up, interact with, with humanity and, and do the things that are recorded in the Bible and more, the things that are, that are still happening today. Like as, as you test out some of what the Bible says, you test out claims like, you know, pray about everything and the peace of God will, that surpasses all understanding will, will guard your heart and your mind. I can't make sense of how that happens unless God actually shows up and does that. So it's not just stuff back then that's hard to figure out. It's stuff now that's hard to figure out. But we do so trusting that if there is a God this big and this powerful and this good, then of course, then then that opens up the realm of what actually could occur. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. And you used a word there that I want to base this next question off of. You said if. Hmm. If it's true then and you personally have based your life around the bible's teachings you've made a bit of a bet that on that on that if from the way you decide to handle family um your finances your job your sexuality your goals the way you understand your past everything revolves around what's going on in that book that's that's a pretty big bet Mm -hmm. and i think you're 20 ish years into that bet um just be honest with me. What's that been like? Has it been worth it looking back on 20 years of a pretty big if? Uh, what, what's your conclusion so far? Mm. It's not quite 20 years. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, basing your life. I think one of the things that helped me was to realize 
but I don't necessarily need to have every single one of my questions answered in order to throw you know the weight of my like life on what this Bible, what this book claims to be about. I don't need to wrestle every uncertainty to the ground in every conversation with every relationship I have in order to believe that there is something here worth trusting in. I, I don't know if all of my questions can be answered. I don't even know if I have all the right questions to ask of this book yet, but I, I think I have enough reason to, to conclude what I've concluded. And so it's about, st- it's about treating all of the, the worldviews and all the claims of, of history and philosophy and science and, and even personal experience to, to take them all and, and to fairly treat them be, with all of the world's religions, with all of the, the claims of, of life and go, which one seems to have the most going for it? Which one, both intellectually and personally, seems to make the most sense of reality? And, and for me, I would say that's why, maybe not necessarily why I started there, because a lot of people start with the Bible because you know, their family raised them up and they, they came you know, in contact with people they trusted that believed in this. And, and that is helpful to, to get you going the longer I've lived it, the longer I've, I've taken this and gotten it into my life and into my living, uh, the more I'm discovering that it's helpful to, to be able to just go, yes, th- there, maybe this doesn't answer every one of my questions, but it answers more of them than any other option out there. And I think that's where it's from. And um, that's, that's how I would start to think about it. Right on. Hey, well, I appreciate this a ton. You taking the time to kind of open up this book and, and share some of the behind the scenes of how it got to the table and also some of the behind the scenes in your life of, of how you came to the conclusion that it's worth putting trust in. Do you, do you have any final thoughts or encouragements for this group before we call it? I think one of the things that I would really want to make clear is that the, the Bible is, is points us to a person. And so there is something about Christianity that's it's not just about a book. It's, it's about a relationship with the one this book is pointing to. And, and I think if we miss that, we, we don't put Jesus or the Bible in their proper place in our lives. So I think I would want to make that clear that, that, this, that reading the Bible, the very practice of that, that's about putting ourselves in a position to experience him, to, to know him, to, to love him, and to follow him. And if we, if we miss that side of it, then, then we're really only doing something that's, that's academic and, and intellectual and not really bridging it into our experience the way that God would invite us to. So, so make sure, we're, make sure we're, you know, we're treating this as it's about a person and that person is Jesus. So, so get it into your life as much as you can. Memorize it, study it, uh, do it in community, and, and not only know it, but do what it says. And, and see what happens as you do uh, and, 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 and to find that, wow, like, as you do that, this really is worth my time. This really is worth my um, living this out uh, because there is the intellectual and the historical that backs up these claims, but there's also the current and the practical that, that God intersects our life as we hear it and put it into practice. So those are just some things I would want to really make sure we don't miss 
in this conversation. I appreciate that a ton. And I think that's really been the story that each of us have had in our lives is trying what's mm. in this book and realizing the impact that it makes in our lives. And that's got us to the point where we not only want to be led by it, but to lead others mm. in it. So I think you yeah. summarized really well, at least, you know, what, what that book has meant to me and, and continues to mean. So I, I really appreciate this a ton. Mm. If someone has, you know, really enjoyed your teaching style and, and wanted to hear some more from you, where could they hear your teaching? <laughs> There's not many places uh, you could check out. Um, I'm, I'm a pastor at Central Heights Church currently, and so our, our church has a YouTube channel, and as I am one of the regular teachers there, so you would find uh, some some of our teaching series there if you, if you want to check out more and, and capture more of this, this guy trying to figure out life and, and how Jesus fits into it. Right on. That's great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Jesse. Hey, thanks so much for that.